Expounded Universe, Season 6, Episode 13, Planet of Twilight, A New Dawn. The book, Planet of Twilight, by Barbara Hambly, the year 1997. With your hosts, Jeff and John. This is the wrap-up, so let's go! Drag me to Taytel. Ugh, uh, my jerk-off motion is one of the endless. I mean, or, you know, you can just cover R2-D2 in flesh. <laughs> and welcome back to Expounded Universe, the wrap-up edition. I'm your host, Jeff, joined as always by your other host, John. How you doing, buddy? Yay, I had a cookie. You had a bunch of cookies. I made chocolate chip cookies tonight. Yeah, I've had a couple of cookies. I've been way in the mood for chocolate chip cookies recently. I, I'm going to go ahead and blame Sesame Street because I've you've well, been watching a lot of Sesame Street with that little girl. There's a lot of Cookie Monster, and he. I mean, yes, the cookies he's eating look like bullshit, but yeah. See, it's the exact opposite. Like when you see a cartoon pizza, and you're like, nothing in real life will ever look as good as a cartoon pizza. Well, the problem, the, the thing that keeps me off from the cartoon pizza is that cartoons tend to go for the the joke of pizzas having outlandish toppings? No. You know, like every time you watch a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode and they're like, yeah, bro, let's get some pizza. I'm going to get hot fudge, broccoli, and sardines. <laughs> yeah, but when you just see the pizza and it's like just got pepperonis on it, you're like, oh, you were just joking. And then when you actually ordered the pizza, you didn't get that shit. Oh, I mean, that is true. Yes. A lot of the time, the pizzas that are delivered to the Ninja Turtles are obviously just pepperoni pizzas. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, there is nothing that has ever made me hungrier for pizza than like the first five minutes of Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> you know the part where they're yeah, all the just crowded the, pizza the restaurant. Pizza montage. Oh, my God. It said, April O'Neil, sir, she keeps she keeps ordering pizzas night after night. And then, they're, oh, they're all eating it. It's all stretchy. Man. Everyone eating pizza. Oh. God, that is that is the most visual stimuli for making. You could probably get people who are holed up in like a ransom house out by showing the first five minutes of that and bringing up a pizza truck. <laughs> you know, the famous pizza truck, the delivery truck for pizzas. I, I, you tell me, you know, you, when the little jingle goes off in your neighborhood. <laughs> you tell me, you don't think there's a food truck for pizzas? Ding ding ding. I mean, there's ding, food trucks ding, for freaking ding. everything. Oh, now. the pizza trucks here. <laughs> Everybody, run out with your, I guess, twenties. I'm mad at you, but on the other hand, I am appreciative of this concept. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I've always said that what we should have is pizza trucks that go by instead of ice cream trucks, and then ice cream delivery instead of pizza delivery. That does make a lot of sense. I, I, but I remember as a small child chasing the pizza truck as it left my neighborhood. Not sure why. Just something to do. One last chance to breathe in the heady aroma of pizza that wafted behind it in a grand wake. Yeah, one last chance for romance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you think of anything more representative of your childhood, John, than chasing after the pizza truck as it sped away from your neighborhood to bring joy to other yeah, children? Yeah, just chasing after it on all fours, barking loudly <laughs> like you did as the feral child you were. Oh, that's mean. I could run like a normal person or I an ape man. <laughs> but I could. Plus, I could break E8 through the trees. <laughs> uh, I did that uh, Disney's Tarzan tree surfing thing yeah i could break you ate some kit kat bars you know what i'm saying <laughs> as you'd make your own like impromptu sort of s'mores out of your marshmallow that was delivered on a plate <laughs> yeah hmm these kit kat bars contain wafers already jeeves i believe they will make appropriate s'mores so to speak now off with you <laughs> go on <laughs> bring idea. me the small blowtorch that you <laughs> 
tiny. Bl- I was figured he just did it with a po- with a, uh, a candle and a, and a uh, toothpick. Oh, what am I, a heathen? Some kind of barbarian? Get me the blowtorch, the tiny, tiny blowtorch. What happened to your family money that you're not still living like this? <laughs> Oh, it's all the family money. I've <laughs> renounced my family, and now I, I live like a pauper. You've made a wise decision, because uh. now you're so educated in the ways of life. You know what, Sean? We are here to discuss Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, we are. So we finished uh, the Planet of Twilight, and this is the wrap-up episode. Where we're going to go over our final thoughts on this, and some of your final thoughts and questions as well. Yeah, that's the plan. And let's just go ahead... Right from the get-go, why Planet of Twilight? I know. Like, this this, this I has know, been your thing. I know we've harped on it, but I want to get your theory. Why would it be named that? Like, why why, why would the... Hambly name it that? Maybe it's because the twilight, the planet is in the twilight of its years. Remember, remember <laughs> it's that, in the summer of its youth. Well, remember that <laughs> the glorious summer of youth. No, it's not because the 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 sills, the crystal people that live there, uh, they remember the ancient days when this planet was all orange groves as far as the eye could see. And, and then those still, oranges turned into crystals. You could still ride the trolley. No, they they remember when it used to be like an ocean planet. Yeah. So maybe this is like a dying planet. So it's like it's in its twilight of life. But it's not dying. It's life everywhere. The crystals are alive. Yeah, but like barely. I mean, they're like a network. That's racist. Don't yeah. say that these crystals aren't alive just because they don't meet your definition of alive. I mean, that is exactly what you're supposed to say. I mean, they don't meet a definition of alive. They can't. I don't think they can reproduce. Nah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, they try. You never they know. They get down to some serious business. Though, when I they, mean, it when takes they were... a while. Yeah. But those rocks get to rubbing. <laughs> don't come up nubbing. <laughs> Maybe that explains why they're so mad. Like, half of them are currently engaged in just ludicrous coitus, and people are just walking along, like, on top of them and stuff. They're like, hey, come on now. That's not cool. And at least try to hit, not hit the small of my back. I mean, just imagine how angry you would be if you're some rock rubbing up against another rock trying to get rock babies made. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing this for, like, 300 years. You've been rubbing up against them. And then some asshole from Lorinar comes up and takes you out. What kind of... Blue crystal balls are you dealing with oh, at that, that point? That's insane. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I would probably welcome the reprogramming because I'd be like, all right, at least I'm not thinking about it anymore. <laughs> I'm always, I'm, I'm thinking like with the pessimist life where I'm like, what if I'm some rock and I want to get my, my, uh, my rock rocks off and I'm surrounded by other rocks and none of them are my type. Like I gotta, I gotta ma- migrate standards. I gotta migrate somehow. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta reel those standards in my man. <laughs> My standards are already set to a rock. Well, then you should be fine. (laughs) Well, anyway, yeah. uh, I don't know, John. Do you have a theory on why it's called the Planet of Twilight? I mean, I really don't. And I also, I'm kind of wondering, like, maybe... Oh, wait, I think I know. Hold on. I was going to say, maybe it's not the uh, Namchorios that is the Planet of Twilight. Maybe it's the planet that R2-D2 and C-3PO were on where everything went dark. Oh, Cyblock 12? Yeah, maybe that's... The planet of twilight the, the planet that's in two chapters of this 22 chapter book is the the, the spot that it got its name from yeah and, the, and then even then 3po mouthiest of the star wars characters never just drops the title line while he's walking oh, around who does that <laughs> who's <laughs> like that's who a three or two we certainly here on a planet of twilight <laughs> that's the sort of thing that 3po would definitely do had he the means <laughs> which he has a voice box that's all it takes Oh my, this certainly does seem to be a planet of twilight. Roll credits. Oh my, these buildings are quite tall here on Coruscant back in 
I'm going to call this the shadows of the empire that we're in R2. <laughs> oh, Cersei truly is a crystal star. <laughs> I mean, literally. <laughs> I'm going to sit back outdoors, R2, and enjoy some tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina. <laughs> Edited by Kevin J. Anderson. And other books. <laughs> Uh, okay, my other theory is that the bugs, the Drox, mm-hmm. are only dangerous at night, and so that's the only time that the planet truly comes alive and becomes different, like really dangerous, mm-hmm. is when the the cells can't keep the bugs at bay with their cool crystal or radiation. Light radiation. Yeah, so that that's when the planet's dangerous is when it's a, twi- a planet of twilight. Okay, that's when the bugs come out. Yeah, mostly at night. That's when they get you. Yeah, they mostly come out at night, John. Mostly. Yeah. So it's I don't a damn know. Damn bug hunt. I feel like that. <laughs> I feel like that kind of makes some sense. Maybe. Anyway, so this book was bad, and should feel bad about how bad it was. Eh, I mean, it probably sold okay, so maybe maybe it should feel pretty good about how well it sold. <laughs> I don't think so. Mm. I think only looking at it as the artistic value is what we should judge on. Yeah, I, I'm starting to wonder what is with the trend of uh, books that have like 10 chapters or in this case, like 20 chapters and nothing, and then two chapters of, of portent, of content, rather. The, I mean, the weirdest thing for me is, with all these books that go through, like, let's just have nothing, and then wrap everything up in two chapters, it, like, even the wrap-up chapters have to, like, gloss over stuff. Like, we had the glossing over of, like, the actual fight in space, we yeah. had to just go like, oh, yeah, her uh, fleet that... showed up, and they beat the other fleet, and anyway, they ran. And meanwhile, some people lost or something. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Anyway, there was a huge space battle between many different forces. It was super cool. Not going to describe it. That happened. Anyway, how are you, 3PO? Yeah, it's almost like the, the, the author received a page count order and got to chapter 21 and was like, ah, fuck. Oh, oops. Oh, no. Oh, I had so many more dream sequences to write down for Leia. By the way, Leia, I feel like, has had a portentous dream sequence about her children being stolen in every book we've read so far. <sighs> yeah. Even in the ones where she doesn't have kids yet. No, I think... I think in the one... I don't know that we've had one with her and no kids, and she's had a dream about kids. Have she? No, no, she hasn't had one about kids. But she, I think there's a dream sequence in the in Shadows, which has no kids in it. And, and I know there's dream sequences in Courtship, because everyone's well, got yeah. crazy dreams in Courtship. So, I... I but, yeah... It seems like they just keep giving her dreams where her kids get taken away, and I'm kind of wondering if that might have been a mandate. Well, I think it's one of the few things that, as an author, you're like, oh, I need to give this lady some uh, some motivation. And if it was a guy, I would just kill whatever woman she li- he liked off. Yeah. But as a woman, I've got to threaten her children, but because I can't actually hurt children because then that would be wrong i have to just have it all in dream sequences yeah so john one thing i I kind of forgot to mention at the top of the hour today is that one of the things we always do on the wrap-up episode and i'm not gonna do it right now i just want to let listeners know that they should stick around for the end because wrap-up episodes always feature the announcement of the next book Mm -hmm. so i just i've been uh rooting around pulling it out um Ew, just, just get your hand out of there. Just whipping it out oh, so, so that God. John can really get a close look at it. No, is that corn? <laughs> it's like corn. Is that the band corn? <laughs> it's like the band corn. <laughs> uh, it's their uh, non-union Mexican equivalent, elotes. 
<laughs> As the natives call it, maize. Dude, how rad would a, a Spanish-language corn cover band called Elotes or Maze actually be? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I like Elotes with a Z, just because of the K in corn. Dude, I would, I would go see that a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, man. They can open for Metalachi. Oh, dude, Metalachi is amazing. It's the perfect opener for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, so yeah, I just, just so you know, stick around to the end because we have picked the next book. Uh, I had two to choose from for John. Uh, I, I bought, I, I tried to make him, make it, give him a real devil's choice because I bought <laughs> good. A real devil's threesome. I, I wanted to give him the true <laughs> devil's haircut. Uh, the Beck song. I, I, I burned it onto a CD for you. Good, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Just that one song. Just though. the one. Here's an entire CD. It's got an MP3 in it. I didn't <laughs> even burn the track. I put the MP3 file on there. <laughs> I converted it to Og Vorbis, so it took up most of the CD. I, I hope you're excited about this. Also, the next villain in the Star Wars book is Og Vorbis. It should be. I uh, Okay, so... I, the other book I had, con- I considered a number of books this time. Actually, I only bought two, but I considered uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye because I thought it might be fun to go back to the very beginning. Uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye is the first Star Wars expanded universe novel. Uh, it was written in 1978. Why are we going over this now if we're going to decide this later? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want you want to save this whole discussion? I mean, it for seems time? like you just sort of interrupted the flow of what we were talking about to talk about something else. Well, I, I mean, I'm honestly impressed that you ever thought any conversation I was a part of had a flow. <laughs> Oh, we had flow. We had banter. You just then got distracted by something and wandered off. I mean, that's literally my life. I know it is. Yeah. I might go bake some more cookies. <laughs> good. They're good. They're good cookies. They're Mrs. Good Cookies. <laughs> so uh, I think that's a compliment. I'm sorry, then. Well, what was our flow? Let's get back to it. Let's find the river. <laughs> Let's. We were discussing what we right thought. Right around the river, we, we were discussing what we thought about this book. And I, I was saying something about how I felt like she had kind of a mandate to hit 22 chapters or some number of pages. Oh, yeah. The the Star Wars books that just sort of wheel spin forever and then don't have anything at the end as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you can almost understand in Crystal Star if they were like, oh, I didn't really have a big ending planned for this. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I was just wheel spinning to get to page count. But with this one, especially, you're like, but you have... This entire ending sequence that you gloss over, it seems like you could have cut out at least a few chapters worth of the R2 and C-3PO dance around planets accomplishing nothing show, yeah. or Luke fixes a speeder for the fifth time. This book a lot, it's like the reading equivalent of playing mini golf with a friend who's like taking it way too seriously. So they get the golf ball up on the little thing, and, they, and then they're like, oh, I want to move to the thing that's a little to the left, actually. And then they like check the wind speed, and they watch the rotation of the windmill for five minutes, and they keep getting down on their knees and like looking at the trajectory lines and so on. And then when they're finally ready, they just rear way back and smack the ball into the parking lot. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's uh, that's a lot with it because it's like you just watch the prep, the prep, the prep, the prep, and then we skip right past the ending. It's very weird. I don't, I don't understand. I would be less baffled if we had started with this book. I'd be like, oh, that's just a bad book. But that it's <laughs> happened over and over again. This isn't the first book that did this. Yeah, I have to wonder: is this just a Star Wars thing? Is it because? They aren't allowed to make changes to a lot of stuff. 
so they have to just dig into the minutiae? Well, I went back and looked at some of my old notes for previous books to see if this was the case. And we have to discount Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, because that's just short stories. Well, yeah, that and... uh the zombie one. Uh, yeah, yeah, because that one has a, a straight-up uh, through point and makes sense all the way through. Oh, yeah, it's, it's got it's, a cavalcade of death and action. Yeah, it's rad all the way through. But, okay, starting from Shadows, I, when you go back and look at my notes, there's right, right around episode 13 or 14 or something, we're hitting the chapters in the 20s, and there's a point like right around chapter 26 where Leia finally meets Shizor. And I'm like, how do they get? How do we get this far in this book with no one meeting anyone else that was new, except for Dash, kind of meandering around in there? Uh, Courtship of Princess Leia. The sky goes dark for like ever in this of the on the planet that they're on. Uh, Dathomir in the second to last chapter of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crystal Star. No one actually meets Waru until the very last p- uh, couple of pages. And I mean, I can almost forgive. I mean, I can't because it's awful, but I can almost understand Shadows of the Empire because they really wanted to establish a couple new characters. So they're like, we can't quite get to the full plot because we need to establish, all right, who's Shizor, who's Dash Rendar, how do we meet them, what are they up to? And even though that's terrible and I know, they're they, terrible. They failed at that in a big way. That I mean, who's Dash Rendar? But by the end of that book, we don't really know other than he's sort of a petulant morose dirtbag yeah he's the poor man's han solo yeah except that he doesn't do, i mean there's remember that point where he's like i missed and now i'm gonna be mopey for like 12 chapters in a row and then when i'm not mopey anymore i'm gonna be a big damn superhero running around in a sewer for four minutes and then i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> i don't i don't get it he was and then Shizor was just well if we need to we really need to introduce this character so for the first 24 chapters we'll just visit with him as he gloats about nonsense Oh, yeah. And Every makes- time we checked in with Shizor in that book, it was just, did you know I'm rich? Mm. I am. Mm, yes. I found a way to make myself appear even skeezier and lazier <laughs> once more. Now I don't work out. I just lay in a bed that does it for me. I have a, a little claw that I use to grab things with so I don't have to bend over. Now I don't have girlfriends. I just have hookers that I have a robot to break up with. <laughs> it's... It's bad. But again, at least I understand that they were trying to introduce stuff with something like, say, Crystal Star or uh, the Planet of Twilight or any of those. Most of the stuff they're introducing isn't really things that they spend a lot of time on. Like when you introduce Waru, we barely see fucking Waru at all in this in I that mean, book. I, on the one hand, I kind of understand that because Waru's like too weird to understand. So you really want to have a little Waru goes a long way. I think is is a thing. But like Beldorion, for example, is a great. I mean, he's not even the main villain of this. He's no. basically a tertiary villain. But but he's interesting, and people know Huts, and they know from Huts, so they could spend more than I think. There's maybe two chapters where he has lines, and that's one of those things with the book you go no one has ever seen a hut jedi so this is a novel interesting thing to do you've also made him fucking yoked and the idea of this like ripplingly muscly hut with Mm -hmm. jedi powers and a lightsaber you're like holy shit what is going on with that and the book's like don't mind that anyway have you seen luke try to fix the neighbor's speeder whoa i'll give i'll give that book one bit of credit that i have been unable to give a book up until this point with leia in it 
which is that she is not a big space racist throughout the course of Planet of Twilight. Uh, she meets with Beldorion. She's just fine. Uh, she meets with Dazeem. She's a little creeped out. But then again, that's fair because Dazeem is legitimately creepy to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is just... She's neutral. I mean, she sits down for lunch with Beldorion, and she's like, so you're a Jedi, huh? That's kind of neat. I'll eat your weird food. Don't worry about it. I'm a, I'm a diplomat. Let's do this. And it's it's nice. It's almost refreshing to have her be, not be like, ugh, gross, smelly monster. Your language is unpleasant. I want to go back to the peaceful planet where I was on super vacation. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> at least we didn't get her on the balcony looking at the fucking crystals going, ugh. Yeah. What a shitty planet. Because every time, I always think about Crystal Star, where she's like, I sent, she spends the whole time, I'm like, oh, well, she's scared because she's missing her kids. But at the beginning, she's like, I'm working hard here on this planet where I've been for long enough for my kids to learn to swim, uh, where I get to eat cookies and drink tea and meet with ambassadors who just want to tell me I'm pretty. And we all play in the feather grass for 12 hours a day. Like, at least this was a little more, like, this opens with her on serious business. Yeah, she's doing her job. This is probably the best Leia we've seen so far. Uh, and now, that's very sad. It, it is, because this is still a not an especially great representation of Leia. We still see her, we, we see a new thing for her, which is remembering every conversation she's ever had with anyone so, uh, so that she doesn't have to know or learn new details. She can be like, I'm on sweet flower poison, because I met a pilot once who'd done every kind of drug. <laughs> he was the drug pilot. Mm -hmm. the, the problem as well, though, is even if you want to make Leia competent in this, She's spending, mm, I'm going to say a good, like, half the book. More than that. I would I would say probably at least three quarters of this book. Drugged into drugged a stupor, yeah. And doing nothing. And meanwhile, Luke is just, uh, he's just spinning his wheels. I mean, he gets down, they, they, first of all, they put him in a B-wing for the naked apparent thing where it's not his X-wing. Yeah. Uh, so don't worry about whether or not his famous X-wing gets blown up. It won't. Yep. Uh and then and then he's just wandering around. He never really tries to learn what's going on with the planet. He spends all of his time worrying about Callista. Yeah, the the problem with Luke in this book is he just comes off as this kind of dopey, whiny like first movie Luke. Yeah, no, you're right. He comes off as like a 19-year-old. I mean, he's desperately obsessed with some lady. He's chasing after her even even this is the only woman I'll ever love. Yeah, I'm like yeah, that's a thing you do when you're like sixteen. Yeah, and it, by this point in the book, she's like his third girlfriend. Yeah, you'd think at this point he's like, I've known her for two weeks and I love her more than anything. I'm trying like, to remember, the my dude, you have been broken up with her for longer than you were with yeah. her. Like she never, he never really hooked up with uh, Tenennial Dio, so that that was a safe one. But there's there's Mara Jade, which which he has an on again off again relationship. And there's uh, Gariel Captason, who we, you and I have not met yet. We'll have to read the truce at Bakura for that. Um, she, is that the guy who was in Quantum Leap? Yes, yeah. <laughs> the truce at Scott Bakula. Uh, he's one of the most famous. Honestly, you'll love the truce at Bakura when we get to it. It features an alien race called the Sea Ruvi, which are velociraptors with tentacles coming out of their noses. Good. Yeah. Fucking love it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun one. Uh, so, anyway... Um, this is like his third girlfriend. He's not completely clueless, but boy, they really they really play him that way in this book, don't they? Yeah, and it doesn't do him any favors is the problem I'm coming across as well. It's not like he comes across as this devoted, passionate lover. He just 
comes across kind of creepy and obsessive. Yeah, he's basically needy. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'll never love again. Oh. The one thing I do like about these is that none of these books are tainted with the uh, prequel thing where they were like, oh, Jedis cannot love. They are forbidden love for all eternity and forever, except for that one conehead dude. He can get down. Oh, well, he doesn't love. He, he just, bones. He just bones. He just fucks. <laughs> Kiati Mundi fucks. <laughs> That's right. I know a dude's name. That's how horribly I've been tainted by this Star Wars show. I want you to know that in my head, he's replaced uh, Goofy in that old webcomic where he's talking to Max. (laughs) It's just Keanu Mundy talking to Anakin. (laughs) I've come to to think of you as a son, Anakin. Your Jedi master doesn't just have sex. He fucks. (laughs) Gorsh. (laughs) Just rubbing it in. I have to service like 25 women on my planet this week. Now, if you'll excuse me, just walking out of there all bow-legged because his balls are huge. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's got double head. Yeah, yeah, he's well, yeah, each one of his balls is a long oblong anyway. Yeah. I mean, he's got that head. He's got that weird cone head. His balls are the same thing. He's got a dong head. Yeah, he's got like, basically, he has to walk w- with his legs so far apart that with the cone head, he just kind of looks like a Christmas tree man. <laughs> yep. I mean, in those robes. Yeah, in the robes, he basically looks like an isosceles triangle getting to work. Uh, sigh. Yeah, jokes. These are the jokes. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, do you want to get to some of the lister questions, maybe? I don't know. I mean, we could. I think... You got more to say than say it. The, I mean, I'm the here only, to listen. I'm the only other you. complaint I'm going to have about this book in the wrap-up, really, is... Uh, the Han and Chewie and Lando. Bits. Yeah, it goes nowhere. It does nothing. They learn nothing. They just wander around. And they only show up for maybe every time they have a bit, like, two pages. I think they're contractually obligated to include all of the main characters from each Star Wars book in these. Lando doesn't count, but I think Luke, Leia, Han have to be in all of these books, and probably the droids. You can't not do them. You can't be like, well, Han's sitting this one out. The one exception, of course, Shadows of the Empire has a good reason. Yeah, but and and then anything that was written in like the, the early '80s gets out of it too, like the, like the Lando and Han trilogies that don't have anyone else in them because they're set before. Yeah, but if they're set post Return of the Jedi, all three of those characters have to be there, even if you've got nothing for Han, nothing. You just have them wander the galaxy, like I guess saving radiation victims or something. Yeah, they just sort of every time he showed up was like, I'm trying to do a thing and I didn't do it, but I'm still kind of heroic. Anyway, that's been my two pages. I'll see you in a couple chapters. Well, I think this, if I were to render a complaint about this book at this point, this has got to be the worst treatment of 3PO we've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, 3PO, for some reason, they go real heavy on the, like, droids are just servants Mm -hmm. and they can't say no. There's a point in Crystal Star where 3PO, and 3PO in Crystal Star is... Not in a great situation. He's been painted purple. He's constantly complaining about it. Yeah. It's not... There's a point where he just wanders off from Luke and Han when they get down to that horrible planet that they're on. Yeah, he's just like, fuck this. I'm wandering off. He just wanders off at random. But then when he shows up again, he's like, great. I negotiated down the hotel rates. Uh, I've got a couple of rooms for the evening. And I found our contact on this planet. And here she is. And Hi, I'm 3PO. I get shit done. <laughs> you two idiots can go wander about and be like... I should go gambling. Yeah. And I'll go do business. Yeah, well, Luke just goes crazy. Well, yeah. He, Luke Luke can't do anything, Luke, Luke and goes, Han just wants to gamble. Yeah, Luke. Han wants to gamble and drunk, get drunk, and Luke just goes all mommy dearest. But 3PO's getting shit done. And in Shadows of the Empire, it's established that 3PO can fly the fucking Falcon. 
yeah, there's there's a lot that they were just like, no, nah, these droids are terrible. They're just worthless. I mean, I'm 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 going to set it aside the, the notion that it should be really goddamn easy in Star Wars to just bolt something to three P or R two that lets them speak English. Yeah, I mean, how hard is that? Just he's by the end of this book, he's covered in like a drum kit or something. Yeah. Uh, why can't we just put a little thing on him that's like, hey, I'm R2. These are my actual thoughts and words now. Hello, beepity boop. Because he just swears. I speak. To that, that's why. They've tried it. No, he actually <laughs> is speaking basic. They yeah. just have to bleep everything he says. That's what it is. All the beeps are just bleeps. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I mean, I like it, the idea that they put a voice box on him once, and they were like, whoops, never mind. Oh, man. Oh, get that off him. Okay. He is just... Ooh, and it's like racial slurs, He's too. He's got so many opinions about something called Israel, and I don't even... <laughs> <laughs> what planet is that? That's... Boy, is he ever serious about whatever that is. Uh, so, yeah, not not a good time in this book to be had by anyone. I don't think this really served any of the characters particularly well. Uh, no, it, it, didn't. it maybe didn't. Maybe R2. R2's the only one who seemed to be like still himself and competent yeah no i mean great he gets a bunch of crap taped to him but he pretty much acts like the asshole little space pirate he always has been before oh yeah he's constantly just like hey did you let me anywhere near electronics how about fuck you i own this ship now i also would like would have liked a little bit more ending for yarbulk em i felt like they were trying to introduce him as a new character and to start like a cool little chadger fan reporter that gets business accomplished and then he's in two chapters, and then he vanishes for... He gets mentioned at the end. Well, yeah, but it's... That was everyone that fucking R2 and C-3PO ran into is, here's a person. They might be important. <laughs> it turns out they're not. Anyway. Yeah. No, that does happen an awful lot. I mean, we do learn a tremendous amount about the Gopso'o tribe and what have you. Uh, and it, it just all comes to nothing. It's just background on their bumbling little cartoon adventure. Oh, yeah. They get caught by a fucking space looter. But and Yar- that doesn't matter. But Yarbulk and... Oh, yeah. And, and the uh, the Gamorrean pirate queen. Yeah. No. Every time they get onto a Spotlight ship, queen. they're like, ooh, boy, this is a thing. No, it's not. How much would a story about... I think her name was Ugmush or Urgmush or something. How much would a cool story about her rock? Yeah. Just a Just cool a, Gamorrean pirate and her bumbling husbands. It's great. It's like the exact opposite of every sitcom yeah. on American TV where it's some bumbling idiot husband and the yeah, smart this, wife. It's the it's the it's the fat Gamorrean woman and her and her three hot husbands. Yeah. These hot Gamorrean Oh, they're husbands. so sexy Gamorrean these husbands. Oh my gosh, I'd watch that. Hell yeah. <laughs> Give me a, a king of queens, but it's all Gamorians. Give me the king of Gamorians. Give me a dirty space polycule, because that's what I want. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. All right, I got some questions from listeners, if you do, John. Yeah, sure. I got some stuff that we uh, have pulled up here. I mean, they are very disorganized. I will do my best. Yeah. You want to go first? Got a question sure, for me? I'll do it. So, every book so far has had at least some character assassination, and Leia, in particular, never seems to be in character. How would you rank the different Leias we've had so far? Uh, you can count courtships, teehee, I'm in love with two boys, Leia, and it's particularly vitriolic divorce with Han, Leia, as separate, if it helps. <laughs> That's true. There is kind of a dichotomy of Leia's in that book. Well, okay, I already said that I feel like this is the best Leia we've seen so far. Yeah, I'll I go mean, ahead and put this at the top. This is, I mean, it's hard to say that because she spends the whole thing drugged. But, I mean, she affects a serious escape on her own. Yeah, at least she's like, oh, I have to, like, dehydrate myself in order to keep my wits. Yeah, no, this is a I'm smart I'm in a fucked Leia. up situation, but at least I'm doing stuff. She kills a, a Jedi in a lightsaber duel. Yeah, 
This is the coolest Leia we've it is seen. The most competent, best Leia that I think we've seen. And again, it's very sad that that's the truth. Yeah. So, I mean, if I had to go, the other three are all so bad. God, I don't even know where I would rank the other three. I kind of want to put. Ooh, I almost want to put Shadows Leia at the bottom. Shadows Leia probably does belong at the bottom. I because okay. I want to put Crystal Star Leia next. I think because at least she's driven and has goals. Yeah, I mean she's very space racist, but at least she's <laughs> doing something. And she's a moron throughout a, t- a tremendous amount of it. She's she spends all of her time doing that that ridiculous version of method acting that she's trying for, where she's like <laughs> she's like Leia would never say something like that, but the space pirate Lalila would say that. Uh, hey, gay Ahab, get in here. Uh, but at least she has Marn. like. <laughs> I wasted all my good color crawlers on the Wookie. Boom. Uh, oh, and then this the part where she leaves Riao Re- 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 naked for like three chapters because she doesn't think to ask her if they wear clothes or not. <laughs> uh, um, but still, she's driven, she has goals, and she does start out a competent ambassador at the beginning of the thing. And she does accomplish stuff. I mean, she recruits Riao, she rescues the children, uh, th- she does some things. She does do some things. I mean, I'm not, I'm not it's, it's not like this is the B to, to Planet of Twilight's A. <laughs> it's... <laughs> We're talking about degrees of F here. Yeah, it's, this is the F plus of uh, of Leia's. <laughs> then we well, got to go to courtship, I guess. After that, courtship. Uh, courtship is very bad. Yeah, it might even go below Shadow for me. It, it's hard to say because uh, they're very close. Mostly the Teehee and I'm in love with every boy version of Leia that is in both of those books. Yes, yeah, both, both so of them have her, bad. have her wandering around and being like. Can a woman love two men? And I'm like, yeah, I've seen them do it. <laughs> yeah, I got hollow vids. Sometimes at once. <laughs> uh, the, I think I almost want to make the. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say the uh, the Crystal Star one or not the Chris the uh, courtship one is worse because she actually for reals is like. Yeah, fuck this guy. I'm just going to marry some random dude cuz he's pretty and I've known him for a day. Um, and he saved he saved me with my with that weird shield he uses in that one scene and then never again. Yeah, the characterization of her in that book is just oh, you're the the dude who's closest physically to me at the moment. That's, that's who I like. Yeah, oh man, it was rough. Uh Leia in Shadows At how, least in Shadows she resists Shizor's dick magic. Well, Shadows she's at her most racist. Yes, that is the big thing I'm going off here. Yeah. And not just racist but sexist. Remember Shadows is the one where she denies Guri a gender. <laughs> she's like, "Look at this obvious sexy woman. Oh, she's a droid. It's an it. That's an it over there." Ugh. I don't that's I don't care how womanly she might appear to be or act or refer to herself as. That's an it. Also that part where she's like, "Oh, Shizor is a sexy man, not a man." A man alien, an alien with male characteristics. He's a monster, and I was like, "I'm like, yes, he is a monster." But that was a bad line of yeah, thinking. Yeah, don't don't get to the right conclusion from that line. He is a sex monster. <laughs> he is not a monster because he is an alien. Yeah, that's that's when she's at her worst when it comes to racism and gender identity issues. Yeah, honestly, so I'm going to throw courtship and shadows up as a tie for the worst. Yeah, so far they are the worst, Leia, and that's perfectly fair. Ugh.
All right. You got a you got a question for I, us? I do. I've got a question here from NGDBSS who says, we've seen a lot of schlock from the expanded universe thus far. Why do you think that is? Is it a lack of money to pay for good writers? Uh, the hell that is genre fiction? Uh, just a publishing treadmill with gru- gruesome deadlines? Or is it executive meddling uh, that causes them to focus far too much on movie characters? What is it? Well, I mean, I mean that's pretty much the, the melange, isn't it? The I mean, there, there's a big old gumbo, all that in there, but... I'm going to say, for me, it almost has to be the, I mean, the treadmill nature of it is the worst, especially if you are a decent sci-fi writer. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you're someone who's like, oh, I'm established in sci-fi and I do decent things, then they brought me on to do a Star Wars book. The problem is, you're not working with your ideas. You have to conform to what is going on in the universe that's been established by previous authors, and you can't change it too much going forward for other authors. Yeah, and I, you know, the thing is, I know a tiny bit more about publishing now than I did when we started the show. Uh, and, and I bet that a lot of these people didn't pick their topics. That there's that there was a uh, just a big board of stories at, at Lucasfilm or whatever that was doing this, and they were like, find me an author to write the one that's about the rocks and the crystals and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm... I don't know if they would get that specific, but I almost feel like, hey, uh, you can write sort of what you want to, Mm -hmm. but you need to include these characters, and for our plot line in the future, you need to reintroduce, like, Dala. Well, well, I'm sure, yeah, because there's there's a lot to it. Like, you think Barbara Hambly, she writes a one-off book, right? She doesn't write for Star Wars again, as far as I know. I think she might maybe do a short story at some point. Um but she does this one story that includes a ton of of the characters from the movies, plus like some EU characters coming popping in here and there with Callista and and Admiral Dela and what have you. Uh, it really feels like she probably took a shotgun job here. But then you look at like a Kevin J. Anderson who wrote like eleven Star Wars novels, and he goes on record as saying that he based some of the stuff he invented for Star Wars on his own personal life. And I think maybe there's there's maybe he's pitching and she's just catching i'm not gonna say it that way <laughs> uh, i'm gonna say he's pitching to the to the storyboard people but she might just be like oh i'll take that job i can i can do you 22 chapters on a planet of crystal people and so on uh what, what do i have to work with Meh. so that might be part of it i don't know i mean we'd basically have to find out from the authors themselves what i would really love to see and if anyone like here, I'll offer a deal right now. If you've written a Star Wars novel back in the 90s, if you were an expounded universe writer, or if you're friends with one, get a hold of them and have them let us know what the actual structure was, like what they were allowed to do and what they weren't and so on, and we will not make fun of their book from that point forward. Yeah, never they're, again. They're safe. Unless it's Kevin J. Anderson, and then I'm sorry. Unless it's Kevin <laughs> no, I don't think he has any friends. That's probably We're probably fine. Oh, That's, that yeah. was mean. It is. That I mean, was I, low. I actually kind of like his dumb, pulpy books, even though they're all really bad and stupid. Uh, but yeah, he write, he wrote too many. We can't we can't not go after him at some point. So anyway, what do you want to go to the next one? Uh, sure. There's. <laughs> Let's see. What was, or was the whole point of the droid subplot to show that the plague was bad? I mean, it definitely does do that. I mean, a little bit towards the end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess we're sort of getting the different aspects of it from them. I mean, we get the looting, we get the Civil War fighting, we get the dead body plague 
aspect. Yeah. Well, the, and the Civil War fighting, I forget the name of those people. They were on, what was that, Nimdrovis? Uh, yeah. The Drovians? The uh, the Drovian conflict is fueled by Lorinar. Like, Lorinar is supplying the Gopso'o tribe with weapons and bombs and stuff. So we're getting a little bit of a glimpse into what Lorinar Corporation is up to there. We see the plague on Cyblock 12. The one thing I was surprised we don't get to see especially much with the droids is the uh, the predations of Moff Jutelis. Yeah, we don't get any of Moff Jutelis. He never has a line, or I don't, I don't know what Moff Jutelis even is. I, I think Moff Jutelis is one of the survivors that shows up in the uh, Eugene Vaughn crisis stuff. When He might even be the one that's in the wheelchair with the iron hand. Who knows? Yeah, but uh, Moff Jutelis does not get a line anywhere in there. So I was kind of expecting that the droids would be used to show the Imperial presence in the neighborhood. That doesn't happen. So, yeah, I think it's just to show that they're, they're floating around to kind of show that there are conflicts being caused by Lorinar and being worsened by Lorinar and Dazeem. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the best I can think of. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay, I got one for you here. A, uh, this one's from Occam. Uh, a question I keep meaning to add to the list. How would this have gone if the authors of the other books you've reviewed had written this book? Uh, I'm pretty sure the Shadows guy, or Steve Perry, would have made Dazeem worse. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because he would have made Dazeem a creepy rapist. Well, at that point, you would have been like, oh, Dazeem's sexy. Yeah. And he's got sexy holes well, and I'd tentacles. Be, I'd be worried, more worried about that if Vonda McIntyre had, had taken a crack at Dazeem, because remember, Vonda McIntyre had two kinds of aliens. Oh, yeah. What I feel like in this book, you basically just had gross monsters and humans. Yeah, Callista's your sex haver. That's the only That's one. That's about it. Yeah, I, I, and I guess obviously Legaeus and, and Admiral Dalen. And Ugmosh. Because, whoa, and Ugmosh, <laughs> U- U- Ugmosh get, puts it down. <laughs> uh, well, the husbands do. Yeah. Ugmush knows how to drop the top down, flip it, and reverse it, or whatever that line is. <laughs> or whatever the line is. Yeah, I don't remember. She knows how to... Wa- we know how to watch Ugmush work it. The I feel like most of the other authors probably would have been about the same, because most of the complaints we had about this are the same as the other ones. Well, yeah, they could have made Leia dumber. They could have made a, spent a lot more time on making Seti Ashgat a sex pest. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there are certain authors who definitely with the situation they had for leia would have had her been rescued rather than yes yeah get out herself because she gets out on her own and she meets up with Callista and they have a hero moment as opposed to getting rescued by han and i feel like some of the other authors would have added that oh i feel like it would have just been luke comes in oh that could be i I can't remember who wrote courtship uh i don't remember that that actor's name or author's name and i feel like they would have been the one who would have gone highest in on the the rescue happening yeah because uh, even Tenennial in that book, who was supposed to be like a badass force, force witch, was constantly getting rescued. Yes. And so I think with some of the authors, you would have seen a much larger focus on how badass is Luke and how does he save someone. Yeah. Also, in this book, we almost never get to see anyone fight anything in space. They just get beaten up by the Lornor needle droids. So no one ever writes that anything spits hot light. So that's I feel like that's missing. Spit hot light. Yeah, that that was a big thing in uh Shadows. Everything spat hot light all over everything. And they got it in their hair. It was really it was, oh, yeah. yeah. It was really messy. It was nasty. Mm-hmm. Uh what do you got? Okay. So <laughs> this isn't so much a question as it is. <laughs> Please sit down, sir. <laughs> 
Uh, so there was. I'd a, like to interview you for my podcast, and there was a point where instead of the bigger Luke theory, someone was having thick Luke theory, and there is a request to read something out there, uh, like from the New Hope scene, and I guess I'll just do that, then we can move on. Please, please do. I find another question. I felt a great disturbance in the force as if millions of asses clapped out in delight and were suddenly silenced. I fear something sexy has happened. This is about thick Luke. <laughs> well, you just looked for any... You didn't need to do that. You just had any excuse to pull out oh, your Oh, man, Alec. it was one of the people who had a question. Yeah, they didn't know you were going to bust out your Alec Guinness. You're just real proud of your Alec Guinness. <laughs> eh, that wasn't even my best Guinness. That wasn't the creamy good Guinness you want. <laughs> What do I gotta ask for a different movie? Do I have to? Ooh, ask- I gotta get that good creamy head of Guinness. Like if like if I really want the good Guinness, I have to ask you to do something from Kind Hearts and Coronets or something. <laughs> yeah, baby, you get me that goodness. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, yeah, I don't mind the thick Luke theory. Although, I mean, it's not like it's really a theory. Have you ever seen the action figures of Luke that were coming out in like oh yeah, the, the around two thousand or like, so? We had spare He Man action figures, yeah. so put that dude in a row. I mean, it wasn't just Luke; they were all buffed to hell during that. Except for Leia, Leia during that time period. And I'm gonna have a hard time saying this without coming across as mean. Uh, has like a an emaciated orangutan sort of thing going on. <laughs> In, in that that's because I had some Leia figures, and she like all of her arms are unnaturally bent, and and her legs are all bowed out, and so on. It's like they just they were like, well, we can't put the muscles on her, so we'll just build her without them. Oh wait, we still built her as if she had giant muscular far apart shoulders and stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Question for the planet of Twilight uh, from here. Uh, I got one from GWB. Uh, it's just Planet Twilight question. How would the plot differ if the big bad was Shizor instead of Dazim? <laughs> what would Shizor even be doing on this rock? Well, obviously, no one else has crystals like these. Mm, that's true. Yeah, he has to have the crystals. Although, I mean, if it was Shizor instead of Dazim... I didn't even think he'd be on planet. No, he wouldn't be on planet. Yeah. He would have just sent Guri, Guri down, here, yeah. down there and some more skin job uh robos synthroids imagine if oh my god imagine if uh shizor had unfettered access to synthroid technology you know you think about now i'm really thinking about that remember how big of a deal guri was oh yeah because she had like synthroid skin on her that and that was what that was probably nine years before this book yeah like it was they were written at the same time she was several million credits yeah she cost nine million credits that was it was it was specified that she was a nine million credit robot we laughed we discussed how many bands that would purchase (laughs) no we didn't that was before bands oh was it shoot yeah you're right that was pre-bands it was the pre-bands bit that was the very beginning uh so so but now we now synthroids are just like worse gurries which yeah, is probably much. part of the because well I gotta sure say that's expensive. that's your your like your hook your whole line of cheap shitty ones because mm-hmm. it was like back in the day when you'd go like oh man a DVD player that's gonna cost me like seven hundred dollars and then you know you fast forward nine years and you're like oh I get a free DVD player for opening up a bank account with someone great. Oh, man. Okay, so I feel like the real story in Planet of Twilight was Shizor as the villain instead of Dazim. So Seti Ashgad, long dead, uh, still try- he, he basically tried to run politics on planet, and he just gave up and died. 
Lornar Corporation needs those crystals, though. They managed to get a few off-planet through some and other And little means. does anyone know that I own Lornar. Yeah, it turns out he either owns Lornar or he's, he acquires Lornar right after they discover the, the, whole, the whole thing. He sends Guri down there. Uh, Guri goes down there to do the mining, and she runs into Seti Ashgad's old synth droids, who are still there and still operational and kind of running things. And it's mostly just her being like, what the fuck are these? Look at these shoddy me's. I hate them. <laughs> this bargain basement version of me. Oh, these are the worst. I bet they don't even assassinate dudes all cool. <laughs> they probably don't even have feminine spaceships. <laughs> Ugh, lordy. Yeah, I don't really know that much else would happen. I guess probably Q-Varks would be more of a character and would would end up hanging out in Shizor's building and like arguing with him. Maybe. I don't know. That that feels I mean, like- I guess he might come down to planet if Leia is down there. I don't feel and like, be like Ooh, I need to go see Leia. I have to capture Leia. She's only gotten hotter in the ensuing nine years. Oh, I need it. Mm, she's such a cougar now. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> and every time he gets down there and turns on his pheromones, all the rocks try to slowly grind with him. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. So, Did that uh, rock get closer? <laughs> I feel like it was further away before. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm going to get there. <laughs> oh, he's got a good stink on him. <laughs> oh, i got to rub on that stink. <laughs> I don't feel like he'd be willing to be in a small enough spaceship that could get to the planet. Meh. He'd probably just come down there in a, planet, in a spaceship that could take the damage. Oh, yeah. No, it would just be like, oh, I'm in the... <sighs> The fighter that I designed, and it's cool enough to dodge the lasers oh, and take the, out whatever. The Star Viper. It, yeah, looks, yeah. it looks like the Star Tour ship <laughs> with, with a big old metal butterfly stapled to the front of it. Uh, but yeah, maybe he could get down there if he just had a wave of Z-95s in front of him as, as Blade of Shielding. Oh, yeah. Well, we you do it like you do in the game. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, he got hit, but he puts the hit on a Z-95. It's fine. <laughs> just keep pushing the hits over. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, That's literally his power in the FFG X-Wing game. So, let's see. Uh, another question of all the useless side plots, and main plots too, probably. Which would you most want to cut out, and which would you try to fix up? Interesting. Uh, I would almost certainly cut out the entirety of the droids. I was going to say I would probably cut Han entirely out of the book. See, I would want to fix up Han. Okay. Because I think... If you take the droid's journey and just make them get where they were going to start with and then get picked up by Han, then you can have Han have an actual adventure with the droids and do some stuff. Yeah, I can see that. And maybe Chewbacca gets a line. If you combine the two of them, that would pretty much work. I like the idea of Han literally not knowing that this adventure happened. That at the end, Leia finally manages to get a hollow call out to him. And he's like, hey, I've just been hanging out in the Emperor's old apartment jerking off. How you doing? (laughs) Hey, uh... Can you come take care of these kids? They're driving me nuts. Yeah. And she's like, I've been kidnapped and drugged on a planet for like a week. And he's like, lucky. Huh. I wish I was on a planet being drugged for a week. Oh, tell me they got Sweet Blossom. <laughs> That's my favorite. Oh, That is my jam. See, see, I want the droids to have picked up more autonomy throughout the course of their story. So if I were to do it, I'd reverse it. I'd cut the Han subplot entirely and have him never leave Coruscant. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'd have the droids solve their own problems through droidy guile. Like, they, they just keep that first guy's ship and just fly around being all adventurous for a while. Yeah. So, I don't know. I it, mean, I also think if I was going to cut something out, I might just cut all of Callista out. Oh, yeah. Callista feels like a total laugh. I mean, she th- adds nothing to mm-hmm. this. 
and mostly just ends up being a MacGuffin for Luke to be an idiot about. I mean, she definitely does, in about a one-hour training session, teach Leia how to fight Jedi huts. Boy, howdy. Uh, that's that's something. Yeah. I mean, if you, you, you cut Callista, you need a new reason for Luke to be on the planet. It just it could be a much simpler and less mopey version. It could be, hey, there I, we heard, there's an ancient rumor that there are Jedi here. Well, yeah, the same reason that Beldorion and uh, Tzelda and technically Callista in the book went there is they're like, oh, there's a ridiculously strong force presence on this planet, yeah. and no one knows what it is. Sure, he should have gone there to look for Tzelda and Beldorion. Yeah. In some old holocron somewhere, he should have found records indicating that two Jedi went to that planet once, and there are no records of their death, and, the, and, and uh, Vader's uh, Order 66 or whatever never made it as far as Namchorios. Because no one would make it down to the planet with the guns going, Yeah, and they just didn't give so, a shit. So he just went there to try and meet them and see what their situation was. Yeah, he's and like, then, oh, these are living Jedi that I could go talk to. Yeah, they they must know so much about the Old Republic and so on. And then he gets out there and they're just bug-eating lunatics, and, and it's just, well, well, this was a mistake. Yeah. I mean, at least it gives him something to do to interact with the plot. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be I'll be very honest here. Tesselda is a way cooler character than Callista. It's honestly, Beldorion and Tesselda are both rad characters that get the shortest shrift in this book. It's so true, and it's so sad. So that that might be a cut we can both agree on. Also, I might cut Legaeus and Dela hooking up. <laughs> That or no wait, hang on. That's the thing I want to. That's no. the thing I want to dramatically expand on. Oh, I need. I want chapters fo- of intimate detail. I want to follow them into that room. <laughs> I need to know how they got gooshed. And, and she's all like, <laughs> she's like, "Ooh, yeah, this is so good." Hey, go, call yourself Will Huff Tarkin. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get real stern, real quick for me? Ooh, that's good. <laughs> He's all like, hmm, "May I file when ready?" <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> there you go. Uh all right. Your your go. Is it? Oh, I thought that was that was me. Okay. Uh so my actual question about Planet of Twilight from Clocks Akimbo. Uh Beldorion is easily the character people remember most in this book because he's a force wielding hut with a lightsaber. But he's ultimately a side antagonist and kind of a misdirect. If you were going to write a story that actually used Beldorion as the central vi- uh, a villain, what angle would you go for? I think we just did that, didn't we? Well, I mean, we said we'd do it, but how would we do it with Beldorian as as the main villain? We'd eliminate the whole boring Tazim and the Drox and the Death Scene angle and just have a planet where two old Jedi went to the planet a long time ago. There's no way that Vader could get to them, and they've just been pettily feuding forever. I would love to see, if you were going to make Beldorian the main villain, you'd probably have to do it with, when you introduce Tesselda and you get through basically the same scene that we got before... But you're like, oh, man, she's, like, creepy and fucked up and is trying to, like, control things. And then when he meets Beldorion, Beldorion's just, like, a normal hut. Mm-hmm. Well, well, a nicer hut. A, a, yeah, a normal hut, still kind of a crime lord. But he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with Tesselda. She went crazy years ago. And, oh, why why don't you come in here and I'll talk to you? And then it turns out Beldorion is the only reason Tesselda is like that. And she has to like mind control oh. people to keep herself safe. Yeah, yeah. And he's been he's been messing with her the whole time. And- oh yeah, he just keeps sending people to go like destroy her house or mm-hmm. mess up her stuff, and she has to like mind control them to stop them from doing it. Yeah. So he's just like this evil corrupter influence. And the important thing about both Baldorion and Tiselda is that neither of them are Sith. No, and they never were. They're they're fallen Jedi. 
and they don't they know nothing of Sith teachings. Neither of them has ever heard the legend of Darth Plagueis the Wise. <laughs> well, it's not a story that the Jedi would tell them. Yeah. So why would they have heard it exactly? So uh so yeah, that's the way you do it is he's a Jedi you'd play the guitar on the MTV. <laughs> that's actually the story I want for Beldorian. Good. Yeah. Uh okay. Thank so, you. I think it makes it your turn. Uh let's see. <laughs> oh, there it is. Who would win normal sized Jedi hut or giant space vegetable man? Well, I mean What if the hut doesn't have a lightsaber? Okay, so we're talking about uh I think his name's Spear no, Doctor Doctor Roboto. Oh, I I forgot forgotten his act. He was in one chapter. I can forgive you for forgetting. Okay, the well, well, the problem is I'm remembering Spiro, and Spiro is the other Hodin that we've met so far, the one from from uh, uh, Shadows, Shadows. and that's sad that I can I can remember the way far back one. Eh. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the the accidentally yeah, eight, but eighty foot tall Hoden, the eighty foot tall Hoden versus 40... a normal sized Jedi well, hut. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that Beldorian is a no? That's sl- that's what they're saying is a normal sized Jedi hut. Yeah, that's well. The problem is the Hoden are pretty spiritually peaceful. But if he's eighty feet tall, he could just step on Beldorian. Yeah, but just Beldorian's squid- got hut Jedi powers. He could be like force push, and I, then yeah. if you fall from an eighty foot height, you're gonna do some damage. I mean, yeah, because because Hoden are basically trees, and and at that point you've got you're talking a big tree falls over. Yeah, they'll probably crunch Beldorian's house or some car or something. Oh, ah. I just had it waxed. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at any point, if he gets even one kick off, the Hoden's just going to squish him. Yeah, just well, I mean, you're basically looking at what was say like the Luke versus Rancor fight. In terms of what's going on here, where it's just someone with Jedi powers versus a giant monster. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, the problem with the Hoden was that they really didn't set him up as being 80 feet tall. They just messed up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so That's but, not Yeah, that's not the, the question, point. though. It's not the question. The question is an 80-foot tree man versus a hut with or without a lightsaber. Without a lightsaber, I feel like he's got nothing. He's going to try a force push once or twice, but he's going to get tired. He's going to get squished. Uh, with a lightsaber, he could probably do enough damage to scare away a pacifistic uh, giant I th- tree. I think he could totally fuck up a giant Hodin with a, if he had a lightsaber. You could do some super easy, like, uh, yeah, because he's big cutting and up the tendons and shit, or I guess I mean, plus he's a vines. Doc- he's not a warrior at all. He's like a doctor. Yeah, he's gonna clumsily try to step on the hut. Yeah, the hut's gonna like force leap out of the way and chop into the foot of that Hodin. Yeah. He's just all, all or just you, crawl up him and do it like Shadow the Colossus style. I guess I'm just I keep thinking that the hut the, the Hoden needs one lucky shot to win because any one shot he manages to put in that connects is going to squish him. If he had one opportunity, yeah, one shot. But this is no movie. There's no Mackay Pfeiffer, so so <laughs> so uh, we have to probably give it to the hut now, John. I think we should probably get to the end of this. Sure. So uh, it's. I think. Thank you so much for your questions, but we are running out of time. So we're. Oh, gonna... we had so many questions. Yeah. Do you have another one you wanted to do? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess we could end it there because we still have to get to announcing the next book. That's true. We do. Yeah. So uh, as always, like I was saying before, I, I gave John a choice. I'm. I went through a large number of books in my selection process this time. Uh, I thought about doing the Planet of Fear series, uh, the ones that are basically goosebumps but set in Star Wars space. Mm-hmm. But I've set them aside because they are very short and very light reading, and I feel like I want to use them for when we have guests. 
because uh, it might be easier to have a guest read some short nonsense than these big stupid books we we punish ourselves with on the regular. I considered going outside of Star Wars. Uh, I considered both having the X-Men meet the the uh, Star Trek cast and uh, going into the, the far-expounded universe of Dune. Uh, the problem with that is that Star- John is not only not exposed to the universe of expounded universe Dune, but also is not exp- exposed to Dune at all. Yeah. I think I've watched maybe 20 minutes worth of the Lynch Dune, and God knows I wasn't paying attention to that either. Yeah. So eventually I came up to two selections and I gave those choices to John. Either he could pick good books or he could pick a bad book. Uh, now by good books, I mean that there was a series of short stories that were quite good yeah. uh, that I was going to let him pick if he wanted to have a break and do something good for a while. Uh, but here, uh, rather than tell you, I'm just going to read the back of this book and you can make your own decision about what we came up with. Mm. Here we go. <laughs> In my finest Alec Guinness. <laughs> Gosh, boss. I'm Alec Guinness. Those sure are some kind hearts and coronets. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> More than two decades after the heroes of the Rebel Alliance destroyed the Death Star and broke the power of the Emperor, the New Republic has struggled to maintain peace and prosperity among the peoples of the galaxy. But unrest has begun to spread and threatens to destroy the Republic's tenuous reign. Into this volatile atmosphere comes Nominor, a charismatic firebrand who heats passions to the boiling point. Do, do, I, feel like they, do, do, do. I feel like they leaned Nominor. on... Nominor. <laughs> do, 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 do. Nominor. It's Nominor. <laughs> I feel like they leaned on the heat metaphors a little much right there. Uh, comes a firebrand who heats passions to the boiling point. Good. Love it. Sowing seeds of dissent, hot seeds of dissent. Get these hot seeds in you. For his own dark motives. And as the Jedi and the Republic focus on internal struggles, a new threat surfaces from beyond the farthest reaches of the Outer Rim. An enemy bearing weapons and technology unlike anything the New Republic scientists have ever seen. Suddenly, Luke Skywalker, his wife Mara, Han Solo, Leia Organa Solo, and Chewbacca, along with the Solo children, are thrust again into battle uh. to defend the freedom so many have fought and died for. Uh, thrust but, it. Di- <laughs> uh. but this time, the power of the Force itself may not be enough. I feel like I've heard that in the back of a book, like, several times, where it's like, maybe the Force won't do it this time. Well, I think there's definitely some things here that are brand new and worth talking about. First of all, Luke Skywalker and his wife... And his wife, yeah, uh, the the millionaire Jade, his wife, yeah. <laughs> do 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 do, Talon Card, the professor, and three PO, if he's into it. <laughs> so, what are we reading, John? It's a book by none other than Drizzt author himself, R. A. Salvatore. Hell yeah! And the book is called Vector Prime, the Prime Vector. It's it's not even called Star Wars Vector Prime. It's just called Vector Prime. And it does have a subtitle. It's a brand new subtitle, something we have yet to accomplish on our or, or, or to to come across. Star Wars: The New Jedi Order. Good. Star Wars: The Brand New Day. <laughs> I'm excited. So that means that we are taking a first look crack at the Yuzhan Vong crisis. The first look crack. Uh, we're taking a first look at Star Wars's crack, and we're going to bring you along with us. <laughs> We're going to take a deep dive into that crack with you. 
<sighs> so it's like Miss Frizzle's school bus in here. We're getting real tiny and going in that crack. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, it's this is the first book of the Yuzhen Vong Crisis. I don't want you to worry, listeners. We're not going to do the Yuzhen Vong Crisis in succession because there are sixteen books. Yeah, no, never. Yeah, I think it might be nineteen. There are a ton of these. And they go on forever, and only this one is written by... <laughs> they do go on. And this is the one written by a good author anyway. Boy, God, there is a gross monster on the cover of this book, and I am very excited about is it. Is it Grover? Oh, look at this thing. <laughs> the gross monster at the end of this book? It's like an inside-out guy wearing Galactus's hem- helmet. Uh, it's like they just did a superimpose of a skull over some dude's face and put beetle legs on the back of it yeah i don't know what's going on exactly but there you have it uh so that's the, that's what's coming up yeah the, if you uh, want to read along mm-hmm. go ahead and get that i have no idea how many chapters are in here uh but the other bit of news that we want to talk about before we cut out for the end of the day uh is to point out that uh, we're going to be taking a one week break yeah just in between the seasons we're gonna actually get our stuff together let Anyone who wants to follow along, give you some time to go get Vector Prime, Mm -hmm. and we will be back after a short break with some more of this. Yeah, we're just going to take a quick break because uh, we actually are super busy with some uh, quiet projects here at the System Mastery headquarters. Yeah, we need a little time to do some, like, housekeeping. We just need, like, one night off, and so... uh that this is the way we're going to get it, uh, by taking an extra week. And plus, like John said, it's a great chance for you to go buy your own copy of Vector Prime so you can read along with us. Yeah. Or go to audible.com and use the code. No, we don't have, we an, don't audible have an audible thing. code. Don't there's get- no way Audible would try and sponsor us. And there's also, I mean, I'm not sure if this thing's going to be in there. I mean, it might be. Probably. We should look that up, because honestly, I don't want to read this. <laughs> I want someone else to read this to me. That would be way easier. I could have my hands free to play City of Heroes. (laughs) I could absolutely not remember any of this while I do something else and someone reads it. How's that different? Uh, For you, not at all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, there you have it. Thank you so much for checking in with us. Otherwise, as always, we're going to be doing some bonus content right now. Yeah, even though we weren't reading anything, we are still going to do... A deep dive into Wikipedia as we normally do for our bonus content. Just a little more unfettered. The The gloves are off. We there can, are we, no fetters here. We can talk about whatever we want, and don't worry, we will. We are Boba fettered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not me. I'm Django fettered. Aw. <laughs> or I'm Django unfettered. At least Django fat. We actually got to watch do some stuff. He fought Obi-Wan that one time. That one time. Yeah, and he that died. Was, it was, no, he didn't die in that fight. And then he died. He, he did die later, yeah. yeah and a, then a, he died. Sam Jackson took his head off. I, I mean, mean, I'm not saying, like, one second later. Yeah, I'm saying no. he did this, and then he died. Yeah, no, he, we saw him in two scenes. In the first scene, he fights off Obi-Wan, and it's rad. And in the second one, he gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, he definitely him. beats off Obi-Wan in that scene. And it's <laughs> rad. It's rad. Watching him beat it's, off Obi-Wan, ooh, it's uh, it's delightful because it's Ewan McGregor, so uh, at least John doesn't and give Ewan us... And Ewan McGregor sells it. He really does. He's way into that being beat off. And the best thing about the fact that it's the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan is that John can't do an Alec Guinness impression of it. <laughs> uh, I gotta go back and watch... Well, no, I don't need to. I can watch clips of him and see if I can do a Ewan McGregor. Probably not, though. He's so catty. I... He's- love him he is the only redeeming feature of the prequels he is definitely the best part about the prequels and i love the cattiness i love the idea that young obi-wan was kind of 
just petulant and it's a little, uh, just a bit like of Like, there's a reason Anakin is yeah. the way he is, because he got taught by Obi-Wan. Yeah, he got it from Obi-Wan, who himself was kind of a bitch. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's the best. Well, there you have it. Uh, bonus content can be found at patreon.com slash systemmastery for $2 and above pat- patrons. Yep. Go ahead and do that. We, Like I said, we've still got some bonus content here, mm-hmm. and we keep doing it all the time for you. And we love to have you join us when we do that bonus content. Yeah, right here in the studio. <laughs> the uh, A lot of times discussions will sort of break out about this, and we have to usually keep them in the patron-only section just because if they're discussing in the Expounded Universe channel in our Discord... Like, people have no idea what the fuck they're talking about if they aren't patrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, true. you know, if you also want to say how wrong we are or how much extra dumb information there actually is about what we said, you can always join our Discord. Go to the Patreon channel. Go to the Expounded Universe channel. Whatever. We've got great discussions going on. If you want to learn about Thicker Luke, you can do that there. <laughs> Even I'm a little unclear on that one. Oh, Thicker Luke. He's just a bigger, thicker Luke? He's a thick Luke. Okay, that's good. I mean, in some shots you see Luke, and he's dummy thick. <laughs> oh, are they suggest? Well, I mean, that's not that weird, right? Luke's got. There's no way he doesn't have stunt doubles and shit. Oh yeah, so but that's idea- you know about the bigger Luke theory though, right? Oh, that that, that they that there's another bigger Luke. Him. Oh no, I haven't heard that. That there's another larger Luke than it. So that it's not that there's another larger actor, but rather that no, there's... No, but that there is another bigger Luke. So there's two Lukes running around in the universe. Well, I could have told you that. The other one's got an extra U in his name. Luke. Yeah, they just made him slightly bigger. They left him in the cloning no, I'm tank sorry. too long. There is a theory about thick Luke, though. Okay, so there's an ex- So there's a, there's a Luke, a bigger Luke, a Luke, and an even bigger Luke. Yes. Okay, great. He's been split into his evil half and his thick half. <laughs> My two halves. My evil side and my dummy thick side. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the kind of content you come here for. Old Ren and Stimpy jokes mixed with modern memes. What more could you ask for? Thank you so much for listening. I've been Elan Sleesbogiano. And these death sticks are dummy thick. (laughs) 